The podcast world is growing bigger every day and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's easiest to use, and they are adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you are there. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 131 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Friday, March 8th, 2019. My name is Josh Ken, and I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Brown. Mike, how are you doing on this fine Friday afternoon? I'm doing good. I'm going to enjoy the little bit of time that I have off until I have to go back to work tonight. So, yeah. <laughs> Boo! Work sucks. Uh, I don't know. I know Beavis and Butthead would agree, but... <laughs> work sucks. <laughs> Skip work and, like, eat nachos or something. Um... <laughs> So so uh do you it, now the the cupcake phase I volunteer I vol- no it's not it's not gone because I volunteered cuz I like getting hours so and I like working there so. so so you haven't fallen out of love with Michaels No not even remotely close I mean uh I got free jamba juice today from from Michaels so yeah Well you know what Mike <laughs> as as the uh assistant regional manager I just got to say I love your attitude and you are what Michaels represents so uh I would like to give you 10 cents more an hour and uh give you just a slap on the ass and send you out the door smiling how does that sound Yeah I, uh first off um that sounds uh all right I guess but um I I won't take the slap on the ass and that's not my thing um, also, you sound suspiciously a lot like David Miscavige. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, damn it, Mike, you better not tell anybody that I had to quit Scientology and I work part-time as assistant manager for Michaels. I don't know what we're doing right now, guys. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. It's just the usual awkward intro. Yeah, to this pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I am uh, just uh, for my band. I'll give you a little brief update on my life. Then we can we can cut to the chase um, of talking about some unsolved mysteries. We've circled back to the whole reason this podcast started. But um, I've been up to uh, we're sh- uh, shooting the mu- new music video for our song Eyes Wide Open. It is the uh, it's the highest played song on our Spotify and. I think that has to do with the fact that someone made an anime music video of it a long time ago, uh, an AMV. Uh-huh. Um, that might be why. Um, we're not quite sure. I mean, it's the poppiest song in our catalog. And we have this whole press uh, person that's working for us now, and we just got some press in this um, website called killthemusic.net. They did a write-up on us and all that, so that's cool. Um, so we're, we're preparing the music video and the album rollout now at the end of these podcasts i've been airing an ad that's um where you can get the actual cd and you can kind of pre-get it before the official release but the official like rollout where it'll be available on spotify and itunes and all that shit that's gonna be coming out i think march 22nd 
So I'm basically just preparing for all that. Um, just trying to keep all these plates in the air with my YouTube channel and this podcast and everything. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that everyone's listening and the listenership continues to grow. Um, we were averaging like back in the day, like last year, a year and a half ago, we were averaging, I think like 3000 listens per week. Now it's easily, uh, 4,500 to 5,000 listens per week. So, I mean, that's good. That's growth and that's encouraging. And hopefully this whole Himalaya thing will help, help the show grow. And that's what it's all about. So while keeping the same amount of buffoonery and unprofessionalism that you've all come to know and love, except for all the people who don't know and love it, which is vast. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's what I've been up to. Um, so we'll dive right into it here and not not uh, bore you with too much chit chat. Uh, we are talking about some unsolved mysteries segments this time around from the show Unsolved Mysteries. And man, I gotta say, like nowadays when it comes to picking segments, you guys really gotta help us out because we uh, the barrel that you that you select the uh, episodes from, we are scraping the depths of this barrel at this point, the wood fibers are coming off onto our fingernails. Now, when we are scraping this barrel and they're giving us splinters underneath the fingernail, Uh which you can imagine how painful that is, but that's just how many fucking segments we've covered on this podcast at this point. Mm -hmm. But Mike was able to squeeze out these two and they're both some uh, good ones. One in here is a real hidden gem and uh, we're going to talk about them. So, yeah, Mike, I'll let you take the lead. So, um, one of them is also one that was requested by uh, someone in the group. So, uh, yeah, so I've definitely, I have definitely been keeping track of the requests that have been uh, thrown out there in the group by uh, the members there. Yeah, and if you want to join that potential- group, uh, it is Facebook.com. Go there and go to the group section on Facebook and type in "Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries." It's going to ask you two questions. If you're joining the podcast because you actually listen to our podcast. Um, and if you're a real human being, just to kind of, you know, I should probably take that question out because it's kind of stupid. Because uh, yeah. obviously, if they're answering the first question, they're a real human being. Um, but yeah, join that group and you can make suggestions and, you know, this, that and the other. Um, we have a Patreon page, too. You can join patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries where... You can also make requests, and if you make a request on there, we will cover it the fucking next episode. Uh, those requests get bumped to the top, and you'll get the podcast early and all that other yep. kind of stuff, so boom. Also, the group, there are some things on there that if you're a fan of the show, let's just say uh, it, it would be very beneficial for you to join the group. Yes. That's all I gotta say. It's all, yeah, that's all we can say. So, the first case uh, we're going to talk about today is a case that I decided to uh, discuss, one that I found. Uh, I was, I actually, it was the same episode that the uh, John Bonet Ramsey short segment was in. And what caught my eye was that it took place in Vancouver, Washington. So, right in your I backyard. Yeah, right in my backyard. Literally so your like, backyard. That was yeah, even not, more amazing. Very, well, yeah, the newspaper uh, they showed in the segment, because it's like an older newspaper, but the newspaper they showed, like I said, like Fisher's Landing and everything, and I'm like, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, so. like literally behind your <laughs> yeah. house in your backyard is where this took place. That's what's incredible <laughs> about it. 
Yeah, they were all like tiny miniature people at that time. Um, like that movie Downsizing. So that nobody saw. <laughs> Except you. Because of course I you did. I haven't even actually seen it yet either. I just know about the premise. So this is the case of Carol- Carolyn Killaby. Uh, this is a rather unfortunate last name for her because of the fact that she ultimately did, did wind up being killed by African bees. <laughs> so by a bee, like yeah. kill a bee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that would be incredibly ironic and it would be tragic, but it would also be a little bit funny. Like you have to admit, like, even people that knew her, you'd be kind of a little, little. They'd be at the funeral little, little and they'd chuckle. be like, it's really sad, but I mean, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so, uh, but this, the way that she died uh, here is not funny at all. So, on November 11th, 1995, Carolyn Killaby's husband, Dan, left their home in Vancouver, Washington. While they have been described as like newlyweds, there have been some marital strife, and Carolyn had discussed the possibility of a divorce with friends. The couple had an argument recently and planned to make up for it with a romantic evening together at home. As Dan was leaving work, his brother invited him over, and instead they ended up drinking in a local tavern late into the night. Neither contacted Carolyn until 1am, when Dan left a message on their home phone, informing her that he was staying at his brother's house for the night. I had a few beers, and I don't think it would be a good idea for me to head home right now, I'm just going to spend the night. It's a very responsible husband, really, you know, really stand-up guy. So far, so good. Well, yeah. So, uh, when he returned the next day, Carolyn was gone. The message not played. Dan assumed that Carolyn was deliberately unreachable as payback for last night, but began to worry by nightfall. When she failed to show up for work the next morning at 6 a.m., he and his brother drove around Vancouver searching for her. On November 13th, Dan found her car in the parking lot of Omar's Steakhouse and Lounge. Omar's? <laughs> it's kind of a not a name you would expect for a steakhouse. No, I'm just expecting them to be like, Omar, look at it, Omar. <laughs> when I think of like, like, uh, a, a, I don't know. When I think of like a steakhouse, I'm thinking of like Ted's Steakhouse. Yeah. Not, not Omar. Now I'm just thinking of the fucking arsonist being like, Look at it, Omar! Look at that, Look at that Look steak at sizzle! Look at the flames! <laughs> I said I'd do it! I said I'd do it! I said I'd open a steakhouse! Oh my god, the, the <laughs> announcer from Epic Rap Battles is the same guy, the same Look at it, Omar guy. Yes! Yeah. But younger. Exactly. So the car... Uh, so this was a local bar in Orchards, Washington. The establishment was notorious for drug deals, earning it the nickname Snow Mars. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love the 90s. The car was a 1991 Toyota Camry, and it had no signs of forced entry. Her purse was missing, and there was a handwritten note saying that she wanted to fly from Portland to Los Angeles. Dan stated it wasn't like her to leave without warning. Family also said she didn't have a habit of heavy drinking. Now, I want to mention, speaking of the bar, I want to mention real quick when Dan was talking about, you know, went to the bar, had it, got a, got a, got a beer, started playing some pool, and then, then, uh, I think it was like his brother or my friend, a friend of mine, yeah, the brother. So then my brother and I, you know, there was a Blazers game on TV, we decided to watch it, and I'm like, ha ha, 
That's so great. It's like I, you know, because it's it, it's it's another layer of like relating of me like relating to this segment. You know, not only does it take place in Vancouver, Washington, which is now currently my home, but then they're talking about watching Blazer games on TV. Who's the Blazers? So, is that y'all's Portland Trailblazers oh. basketball team? Oh, okay. NBA. I don't I don't keep up with sports. You'll have to excuse me. You're excused. Okay, uh, so I can leave. <laughs> because <laughs> i'm like really hungry <laughs> okay so um omar's was a popular local nightclub the bartender witnesses told detectives that they had seen carolyn on the night she disappeared she sat alone at a table appeared to have been crying danced occasionally and was very inebriated and the reenactment for this is hilarious. It, it, it is your typical like bar reenactment on Unsolved Mysteries, but this time around, like they kind of got the music all right, but it didn't sound like it fit the environment. So it wasn't like the Casio stuff. There was actually some guitar going around, like some electric guitar, and then it was kind of a catchy beat. But like this is Omar's, <laughs> you know. This isn't like uh uh. A type of like rock bar, rock bar, you know, like well, it is a rock bar if you think about it, because they're you know selling rocks. <laughs> I I just love the visual of her crying and dancing because it said she was crying and then she was dancing, yeah. but I'd, I just like to think of her like on the dance floor, just like cutting a rug, but her face is just like <laughs> my life sucks, <laughs> but she's like fucking dancing and getting down, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's just tears uh, running down her face, you know, mascara dripping down and just feeling like doing the jig. Yeah, and shit. doing the electric slide and shit. <laughs> People would be like, God, is somebody like forcing her to dance? She doesn't really seem like she wants to. <laughs> it's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> so a man named Dennis, a regular, had been watching her all night long. And this guy's a total sleaze. Calming to the bouncer that she would meet with trouble. With before the night was out. Oh, God. Like you're saying, yeah, she's trouble. At around 11.30 p.m., another source says 10.45, he approached her. A witness said that Dennis tried to make a move on Carolyn, but she was too drunk to realize what was happening. She left the bar with him, escorted by Dennis into his truck, and was never seen or heard from again. Her body has also never been found. Just before midnight on the night Carolyn disappeared, two people had called 911 after hearing a woman's cries for help, coming from a nearby field in Five Corners. Dennis was later seen in Four Corners convenience store at 1.30 a.m. wearing a bloodstained shirt. Yeah. That doesn't sound suspicious at all. I, uh, uh, I cut myself shaving. <laughs> we didn't even ask why there was blood on your shirt, sir. Why are you being so defensive? Oh, uh, gotta go. <clears throat> Just before the mid just before midnight on the night Carolyn disappeared, two people called nine one one, and uh, Dustin Johnson was living with his grandparents in the same house as his uncle Dennis Keith Smith, who was on parole for the murder of his mother. Yeah, this is uh, it. Opened up with uh, this really sad story about like the Dustin is talking about the last time he saw his mother when he was like five years old, and then he found out horrifyingly you know that his mother was dead uh and 
she was found naked, you know, her, her just naked, dead body strewn somewhere, I think, in the woods or something. And it's devastating. And what makes it a little bit more or even more devastating is the fact that it was his uncle. Yeah, that's his uncle murdered his mother. And then later on, like he actually had to stay with him. I mean, that's some like sibling rivalry to, to like a new level, you know, like the uncle kills the the mom, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. fuck you, sis. You always got the better Christmas stocking at Christmas time. Die. And and like, can you imagine like if if you're you've lost your mother and now you have to live in the same house as the guy, as the uncle who killed your mom? I'd probably end up killing my uncle, honestly. Like I I couldn't I couldn't do that. It ha- I I yeah no. You'd just be living the horror like every day, all over again, constantly. And make him live some horror. So, he was on parole for the murder of his mom. Why? Why the fuck did was he on parole? Like, how do you like? Yep, he killed her. It wasn't an accident. He's out for parole. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Seems like an all right enough guy. I think he's learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is a guy who had a criminal record dating from when he was just nine. In 1992, the Intermediate Sentencing Review Board had written, it is very clear this man cannot, under any circumstances, consume alcohol or drugs. And if he does, the public safety is clearly at risk. But he had recently been discharged from the drug testing program as he had tested negative for six months. Oh, he stayed clean for six months so that he could get drunk again or take drugs as soon as he got off the testing. That's how it works with some people. Well, a lot of people, actually, a lot of addicts. I remember when I got my DUI, they, they were all like part of my probation was I wasn't allowed to drink or do any drugs or anything, which, you know, really sucked because I really love doing drugs. No, I'm just joking. Um, no, it, it did suck on the drinking end, though. Like, I, that 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 was bullshit. But then I realized, like, if you're on probation and, they, like, you know, they say you can't drink, it's really hard for them to, like, drug test you for alcohol because it's out of your system in pretty much, like, 24 hours. So, well, yeah, alcohol for sure. Yeah, so if you know that you're going to have, like, a drug test on a certain day, like, just don't drink, you know, 24 hours beforehand and you're good. There's really not... They can't really enforce that one as well. But with other types of drugs, they definitely can. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Especially weed. Like, if they really want to, if they, if they really want to get hardcore with testing for weed, they can do hair, hair tests and Mm -hmm. there's no way you can, there's no way you can, uh, uh, fail or pass that or, or, you know, like, well, his grandparents believe that Patricia's death was an accident. I love that the author of this just inserted his own opinion here because cocaine fueled accidents are clearly much more ethical than murder. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's 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 a rare editorial on the uh, these wikias on the wikia. Yeah, uh, Dustin believed differently upon hearing of Carolyn's case and how a man named Dennis had helped a drunk woman into a car. Dustin called her husband Dan to tell him his suspicions. 
Only when Dan asked detectives did they inform him that Smith, the man that Carolyn was with when she disappeared, was a convicted murderer. And Dan is talking about this this conversation he has, and he, he was talking to the, the police, and he's like, this guy, he's called me up, he said that he, you know, he killed somebody, you know, he's a murderer. And then he was talking about how there was like a long pause until the police officer on the other end is like, yep, that's right. He's a murderer. <laughs> so Smith stayed, had stated that Carolyn was drunk. He was in the parking lot to help her, helping her to her car because while she couldn't walk unaided, she would of course have been perfectly safe driving home by herself. <laughs> when a stranger assaulted them, yelling and call, calling Carolyn a name. The stranger took Carolyn and Smith and then left in his own car, presumably because drunk women can defend themselves against strange, angry men, and the police did not need to be called or help sought. I love this. this There's this a, lot, a lot of editorializing in this. I love it. Just reading my own mind. Smith was taken in for questioning on November 14th after witnesses claimed that they had seen Smith escort Carolyn into his own truck, and its past made him highly suspect. His story had changed. He now claimed to have had consensual sex with Carolyn in the cab of his pickup truck in the nightclub's car park for 45 minutes. But a man had come across them, broken into the truck, and threatened them by swearing at Carolyn and hitting Smith with a stick. He just opens the car, looks at Carolyn. Damn it! Yeah, swearing, swearing at her. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But I mean, like, this is fucking hitting her with a stick. I love how he just brings up stick. Like, who the fuck goes around carrying a stick? Mike, it was the 90s. <laughs> it, was, it was a more innocent time. <laughs> Even then, it was highly unlikely that somebody's going to be fucking lugging around a fucking stick. It just reeks of bullshit. Like, he was, he's being interrogated by the police. He's like, uh... No, no, you know, we had consensual sex. Like We had sex in the cab of, of my truck for like 45 minutes. Uh, then there's a strange man who comes across, comes into, into the frame. You know, he just shows up and he breaks into the truck and he threatens us and he swears to Carolyn and then he hits her with a stick. But of course, there's probably an awkward pause before he hits her with the... Uh... A stick. Hits her with a stick. So before dragging, Car dragging Carolyn out of her vehicle, out of the vehicle by her hair and abducting her, he explained the blood on his now missing shirt. Not only was there blood on his shirt, but now the shirt's missing. As being his own. Of course. <laughs> he later identified Dan Killaby as the man. Of course he would. He would say, oh, it's the husband. But that doesn't make any sense because he would probably he already has an alibi, doesn't he? Like if he says Dan, but he was with his brother <laughs> drunk off his ass <laughs> after too many beers. So police were skeptical of the story for a number of reasons, not least because of the suspected to evidence tampering. When authorities looked at Dennis's brand new truck, they found a giant hole burned into the passenger seat. Yeah, it was it was it was enormous. It was just just completely singed. It was it was like somebody cut a circle into the into the seat. You saw the foam and everything. 
And Dennis explained this as being caused by a cigarette. Yeah, fucking one cigarette. You know, does it cause a hole? I mean, it's it fucking that big. It can. I mean, if if the material around it like starts to catch on but, fire. But it, it it looked it looked too too perfect almost like when the reenactment they showed it like or the photo they showed of it it looked too it didn't look like an accident it looked like intentional um, and probably the chances of a, a, a cylindrical hole or whatever or even something like that just caused by one cigarette I, I don't know I would think that that would probably burn differently uh, the upholstery upholstery can't say that fucking word upholstery uh, upholstery and the carpeting had been completely removed and the passenger seat cover was missing. See? That's another suspicious thing. Not only is there a hole in there, but the fucking upholstery and the carpeting is out of the out of the passenger seat and the cover is is gone. How are you gonna explain the cigarette did that? Did the cigarette grow legs and arms and rip them off and then walk off with all that shit? And leave a leave a a, a giant hole burned into the passenger seat? So witnesses would later testify that Smith had asked them how to destroy DNA evidence. Detectives believed that Carolyn was raped and killed by Dennis in the truck, that his story was an attempt to explain any seaman to cover up his role in a rape and murder. However, as they hadn't managed to prove that Carolyn was dead, they did not yet have enough evidence to keep him in custody, and he was let go. Blood was found in the steering column of the truck, truck and on Smith's wristwatch band. This was later confirmed as belonging to Carolyn by matching mitochondrial DNA. However, when detectives did have enough evidence to charge Dennis with murder, he had vanished. And on November 20th, Smith saw police officers waiting in the hall outside his parole officer's office and fled. So this case was featured as a part of the April 18th, 1997 episode. Uh, Carolyn's case was profiled on Forensic Files as well, which explicitly references the involvement of Unsolved Mysteries in the capture of Dennis Keith Smith. Smith was apparently watching Unsolved Mysteries with two people he had met while he was under the alias David Sanborn and was arrested by New Seminar Beach Police in Florida after a traffic stop on February 4th, 1997, following a tip-off. Of course, Florida. <laughs> yeah, it's New Smyrna Beach. But I could see how that New would Smyrna be... New Smyrna Beach, Florida. See how that would be a weird word for someone who doesn't, you know, know about it. So during questioning, he tried to escape a police pursuing and capturing him after a violent struggle. In the scuffle, he reached for an officer's gun and was shot in the neck by another police officer. Good God. After dying and being revived twice, <laughs> Smith survived and went to trial, which became the first trial in Washington to use mitochondrial DNA evidence. In May of 1998, he was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment with no hope of parole. He should have been sentenced to life imprisonment from the beginning. If if that was the case, then he would have then then Carolyn would not be dead. Like I mean, somebody murders somebody, and it's not an accident. So yeah, yeah. Following September, evidence that he violated seven conditions of his parole was presented, and he received an additional ninety nine years for parole violation. He appealed his life sentence, and in two thousand one, on the logic that. Carolyn's body had not been found, it was impossible to prove, prove that she had been raped and murdered. His sentence was changed from life imprisonment to 70 years. Which is basically still life imprisonment because yeah. he's an older older man. Yeah. In May of 2002, Smith pointed out a logging road in the rugged terrain of Larch Mountain and central east, eastern Clark County to authorities where he allegedly dumped Carolyn's body. 
However, despite numerous searches, Carolyn's remains have not been found. In November 2004, Smith committed suicide in his cell at the Washington State Penitentiary by hanging himself with a bedsheet attached to an air vent. He was 42. His mother has stated that she does not believe him to be guilty. Of course. So far, Carolyn's body has never been found. Her sister has said that they would like to keep searching and that she didn't want Smith to decide her final resting place. But with Smith's suicide, her family abandoned the hope of being able to finally bury Carolyn's remains. Carolyn has a memorial marker at Lincoln Memorial Park in Mount Scott in Portland. Remembered as a responsible and honored medical technician and a loving mother and wife. Her sister, Susan Shepard, recalls Carolyn as being vibrant and fun-loving for painting her nails orange with black cats for her last Halloween and for driving away from one of her last visits with her daughters, Gina and Jenny, all of them singing along happily to the car stereo. And that kind of made me choke up a little bit. Yeah, that sucks, man. God. Ugh. What's wrong with what's wrong with the world, Mike? There's a lot of things wrong with it. <laughs> what's not wrong with the world? Yeah, I mean, it is fucked up, and it is mainly dudes who do this shit, but I don't know. It's like the world's always been fucked up. I don't think it's getting worse. I think it's getting better, probably. Well, yeah, compared to other moments in history, absolutely. Yeah. So the next case uh, is D.D. Rosenthal. And I'll, I'll let Josh handle this. All right, let me get my reading voice ready. Blah! All right. Me, 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 me. <laughs> 32-year-old therapist Dee Dee Rosenthal was last seen on Friday, February 22nd, 1991, when she left work at the Elwyn Institute. She was reported missing on February 25th after she did not report to work. When investigators arrived at her apartment, they found that the front door was unlocked and the Sunday paper was untouched. Inside, there were no signs of a robbery or a struggle. Police learned that due to her overspending, she was going to be evicted from her apartment. The possibility emerged that she left on her own accord. Her family did not believe this, however. Her purse had been left behind, which contained her keys, credit cards, and identification cards. Her car was found in the parking lot of the apartment complex. Her briefcase, with all of her client records, was inside. Also, she had left her cat by itself on the balcony, which was uncharacteristic of her. This led to the possibility that she may have been abducted and murdered, sometime between Friday night and Sunday morning. This seemed likely after a neighbor reported hearing a scream and a thud come from her room at 3.45 a.m. on Sunday. And the reenactment that they did for that particular moment, like, that was really freaky like that always would be freaky anyway like if you're if you're sleeping you wake up in the in the middle of the night out of a dead sleep to like sounds of somebody screaming and like some noises and thuds yeah that's why i'm glad i honestly that's why i'm glad i don't live in an apartment because you could probably hear that kind of i mean i've never lived in an apartment but i would imagine you hear that kind of stuff all the time um you know and it's just like you just have to like know that it's not in your in your particular apartment. It's like, oh, that's next door. Or, oh, that's up above me or below me. Or, and that's another thing. There's like people living on top of you, below you, to the right of you, to the left of you. I mean, and not not all cases, but you know, sometimes mm -hmm. that's the case if it's a big enough apartment complex. And 
Yeah, fuck that. I'd rather yeah. I'd, I'd rather live in a house any day of the week. Um, so uh, five hours later, the same neighbor heard the sound of Dee Dee's sliding glass door open and close. On March 1st, 1991, bartender Gloria Brown believed that she saw Dee Dee at the biker bar where she worked. The woman whom she believed was Dee Dee claimed that she did not have any money, but Gloria decided to give her some soda for free. Oh, what a saint, giving her some free soda. She claimed that her name was Lori and that she was trying to get to Florida. Uh, because of fucking course she was, because Florida is the mecca for sleaze bags and fucked up fuckery. <laughs> I guess that should be the motto. I guess I'm just that used to it. That should just be when you when you when you when you drive to Florida and you see like welcome to Florida. The, you should just have that. The mecca of fucked up fuckery. <laughs> yeah, I don't I I'm I'm just immune to it apparently. I, if I go to any other city, I'm going to just be like I'm going to I'm going to be in like system shock because it's just way too squeaky clean. I won't be able to hack it. It's like, man, there needs to be some more murder and car accidents and shit. And there's like no crackheads. Where's all your crackheads? You call this a city? <laughs> so, uh, Gloria felt that something was not right with this woman in her bar. A few days later, she saw Dee Dee's missing persons flyer and realized that she may have been the woman that she had seen. However, the woman known as Lori had vanished before police could question her. A biker claimed to have dropped her off at a liquor store near a main highway. A few days later, Dee Dee's aunt received a phone call from someone claiming to be Dee Dee. The caller kept saying, Mama, oh, Mama, why don't you love me? I'm, no, I, she, just, <laughs> no. she just said Mama. And then, Well, actually, like the, the phone call was also like, that was, that was really eerie. Because uh, the, the reenactment was really well done with that because they actually had a pretty good actress doing the voiceover. So the aunt receives a phone call and it's just it's very desperate and it's just like mama mama i'm okay and then hangs up yeah and she believed the voice was dds and 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 if it wasn't i mean what kind of i mean yeah some people like to prank call but why why that like why that specific type of prank seems to happen a lot too with um with these cases where someone goes missing and the parents are all like fucked up over it, it seems like there's always a mysterious that's almost like a trope on this show at this point like uh -huh. the mysterious phone call from the person who uh is is pretending to be well, or yeah. might actually be the person who's missing who calls for like mm -hmm. 10 seconds and then hangs up yeah well, I don't know why, for instance, I don't know why the neighbor in the apartment didn't, like, call the police. I got, you hear a scream and a thud. Like, she was like, it sounded like she fell down the stairs or something. And I'm like, Pfft. she tripped over something and she goes, ah! <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't. When I trip down, when I trip or stub my toe, like, I'm, I don't scream bloody murder. I'm sorry. That's not. Well, I mean, that's you not, know, that's not how I, how it works I for me. I, Do you? I, I think a lot. Do you screw well, see, this is a, th there's like two things going on here. Like the first thing is that this person could have been conditioned to hearing stuff in the apartment and being like, you know, it's none of my business, whatever. And then there's a second phenomenon. It's probably not a phenomenon, but it's just kind of a thing that happens and, and they use an apartment as an example it's this uh psychological thing where if there is a crowd of people witnessing something awful going on 
nobody does anything because they assume that the person next to them will do something or somebody else will do yeah. something. So yeah. everybody kind of gets that mentality. So nobody does anything. It's a similar self-preservation. It's it's a similar. There's a I think there was a c- scenario in psychology where there'll be a gunshot outside of a apartment complex in New York, and one of the residents inside the complex hears the gunshot and thinks, surely somebody else is going to call nine one one and report that because there's so many people around me and it happened right uh-huh. outside surely someone else is going to do that so i don't have to so that's that's the uh, guy in the apartment that's probably the thing that was the going gal. oh yeah. there's a gal who heard it okay who who heard it or whatever that's probably what was mm-hmm. going through their head so uh anyway a year later oh wait hold on uh a few days later, I received a phone call, said mama, and then she was okay. She believed that the voice was Dee Dee's. Five weeks later, her brother received a tip that she was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. However, the tipster did not give any more information before hanging up. A year later, on September 25th, 1992, the woman calling herself Lori showed up at the bar again. She had dyed her hair blonde and claimed that she was in Florida for a while. Gloria was, again, working and decided to talk to the woman. She told her if that she was Dee Dee, she needed to contact her family. Gloria is a really sweet, kind old lady, like the type of bartender like you normally don't see that much of nowadays. Like an older, uh, kind, matronly bartender. You know, like you wouldn't really expect bartenders to be like this woman. You know, it, you could consider it a stereotype with bartenders, but I mean. There, there is a basis behind it. I mean, most like most of the time when you go to a bar, you don't you don't have like your grandma, the, your grandma serving you alcohol, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It depends. I've I, I I'm at bars all the time for my job, and um, it, there's definitely like bartenders who are out there who are constantly looking out for their their customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they'll they'll help them out. Like if they see that they are just too drunk to even stand or whatever, or see or see, <laughs> you know they'll they'll call them an Uber or they'll you know help them uh-huh. out, you know if they can, as long as they're not being like belligerent. So I, I have seen that, um, and that's that's probably what this woman was doing no but what i was talking about was just it's just it's just the image uh, you know of a of a older woman like that's not you know like a really old like a, a woman in her like 50s or 60s or maybe even older than that yeah so anyway the woman left and has not been seen since Dee, Dee has never been found and it was never determined if the woman seen at the bar was her so, the suspects. At first, police suspected that Dee Dee may have vanished voluntarily. She was having money problems, and she was going to be evicted from her apartment. Her family members said that they had given her some money to help pay her bills and that she did not make much money at her job. However, they did not believe that she would leave of her own accord. Police. Well, that's another trope. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. No, she would have never done that. He would have never done that. It's like, dude, you never know what the fuck's going through someone else's head, okay? You can... You can, um, I mean, people can just be holding shit in, you know, like mm-hmm. for a long time and 
never tell anybody, you know, and and the family, oh, I'm the family, I would be the one to know. Not necessarily, not necessarily. In some cases, you'd be the last one to know. Yeah, exactly, because they don't, the person doesn't want you to worry. They don't want you, you know, oh, if I, Uh like, for me, like, when my dad passed away, I didn't want to tell my mom shit, you know? I didn't want her worrying about me or thinking about anything I was going through, because she was already having to deal with, you know, her own grief. So it's like, I don't, you know, so I don't tell her that stuff. It's it's like when, a similar thing is when, you know, kids come out to their parents, you know, takes a long time for them to do that sometimes, a lot of the time. And when they do, then, you know, the parents, some of the parents are shocked. Yeah. So it would never be like that, you know, you know, that, but he was on the football you know. team. He couldn't be queer, but, you know, I love my dead case. <laughs> <laughs> what was that from again? The Heathers. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I've seen Heathers, but I don't really remember it. That's the one where they bomb they bomb the school or something at the end, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. what I thought. So, um, police began to suspect foul play when they found that she had left all of her lo- belongings behind. They also learned about her neighbor hearing a scream coming from her apartment around the time that she vanished. However, the sightings at the biker bar led some believe that Dee Dee may still be alive. Bikers were also suspected in her disappearance due to the sightings at the bar. Mike, do you have a, a, an update for us? You want to come in as the Robert Stack and, and deliver the update, the results, if you will? Yeah, I can. I can do that. Um, so this is uh, this case is unresolved. Uh, in 1995, Dee Dee's maintenance man, Charles Reddish, was arrested and charged with the hatchet murder of his girlfriend, Rebecca Wirtz. Like, that's just any old, regular, run-of-the-mill murder, hatchet murder. <laughs> Sounds like a, there's a different there's different saw, sensing for hatchet murders. Uh, so that's, yeah, you know. hatchet murder sounds like a name of some like shitty death metal band, doesn't it? Or some kind of you know black metal or something. Yeah, you know we're we're hatchet murderers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Some fucking awful black metal band. They probably play at like some shitty bar that you're stuck playing at one night. Hell, we've probably opened up for Hatchet Murder before, for as far as I can remember. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the rape of her 14 year old daughter. What a fucking piece of shit. What the fuck. After being arrested, he confessed to the investigators that he had also killed Dee Dee. He claimed that he had broken into her apartment planning to steal from her. When she awoke, he beat her and smothered her with a pillow so that she would not identify him. He then stole $80 from her purse and left. Uh, a few days later, he noticed that newspapers were stacking up outside of Dee Dee's apartment. Fearing that her body would be found, he returned with a shopping cart, wrapped her body in the bedspread, and placed it in the cart. He then took the body and placed it in the trunk of his girlfriend's car. He dumped her body in a remote area off route Route uh, 130 in Salem County. Sadly, her body has never been recovered. However, her family has declared her dead. In March of 1997, he was charged with Dee Dee's murder. Initially, he agreed to plead guilty to manslaughter and Dee Dee's death and lead police to her body. However, he backed out on his deal and went on trial in 2001. At trial, he claimed that Dee Dee was still alive and then he made up his confessions. The jury didn't believe him and he was found guilty of Dee Dee's murder. 
He was given 60, a 60-year 60 sentence plus two life terms for the 1995 murder of his girlfriend, the rape of her daughter. In 2002, his sentence was converted to a death sentence, which he is still serving. However, this sentence was overturned by the New Jersey Supreme Court and commuted to 80 years. In 2007, New Jersey abolished the death penalty. Now, I don't know about this one because her body hasn't been found yet. So it's kind of hard to really, I mean, unlike the Dennis Keith Smith case where like she was with him, he was the last person she was with, you know, he had blood on his shirt, you know, he was making up all this shit. I mean, that's an obvious instance of, yeah, he did. Um, but with this guy, he's a piece of, he's a total piece of shit, but there's a lot of cases where folks where these killers, they try to take the credit for crimes they didn't do, you know, to get the notoriety. Like that fucking or, freak in the John Benet Ramsey case. He's like, I didn't mean to kill her. I just wanted to love her. And it's like, yeah. it turns out that dude didn't even fucking know her. Exactly. It's like, what? Again, so, like, why would you, <laughs> why would you do that? I would want, I would like to know like the, uh, more details on what was missing from the the house because it seems like what from what the police report was like everything was in in place like you know her wallet and credit cards and everything was there and you know uh all the money you know it, it's like uh or the bedspread is missing like i i'd like to know like is that actually confirmed like if that's confirmed then i'd be like okay all right you know he knows some things that the uh, only the investigators would know, you know, for instance, or people who knew her. But uh, I just I just don't know. I mean, the fact that uh, and then he's like, no, I made it up. It's like, what? It just seems like a little little uh, tad. You know, I don't know. Tad bit is the right word, but a li- definitely a little unbelievable to me like that. Like he's like. 100% guilty of this just because he said he did it. I don't know. Um, she very well could still be alive and she could have easily just decided to uh, take on a new identity. Uh, she was in, she was in a lot of debt. That 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 one really makes me pause. She was in a lot of debt, and there have been there have been plenty of instances where people have run away and started a new identity. And completely started a whole new life because they were in a shit ton of debt. So I wonder what kind of therapist she was. Oh, she uh, she uh, she was a therapist for uh, autistic for 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 people who were autistic. I think for kids. I think. And they and and she doesn't make much money doing that. Nope, not back then. Jeez, that's uh, I thought I thought. Um... Any kind of therapist. Autism was a new, autism was like a new thing back then, like in the nineties. Yeah, but like, still, really... like any kind of therapy, you know, you need some kind of schooling for that. You'd think they'd get paid. I mean, every yeah. fucking therapist I've ever been to, they want like fifty to a hundred to two hundred dollars a fucking hour. Well, maybe she did make a decent amount. I don't know for well, sure. Well, they said they said in this uh, report here that that uh, you know they had to give her money because yeah. she didn't make well, much that... money. 
Well, maybe she did make a, a lot of money, but she spent it all on, you know, various different things. So, I mean, there's a reason why she's in debt. I mean, and it's not all bills. <laughs> a lot of it she actually did in, in the re, in the segment. We're talking about how she liked to treat herself. You know, so it, it could have been something like that. Uh, and then, you know, she's just in so much debt that it's just like, well, I'm just gonna leave this life behind. But, um... Yeah, that has happened. That, is, that has happened in the yeah. show before. I mean, where someone was thought to be dead, and they either got amnesia, or they just up and split, you know, and the family just... Well, know. well, someone was talking about how, like, with, the, with uh, Lori, it seemed like she had... To them, it looked like she had gone through some sort of mental breakdown or something. And that's another possibility. Could have just had a mental breakdown and completely just forgot who she was and only has fragments of her memory. Now, uh, I have got to replace this motherfucking squeaky ass computer chair. <laughs> I'm fucking sick of it, dude. I can't. I'm so afraid to move because I, I, <laughs> I feel your pain. Like I, I've replaced that one that already. I got a one that doesn't squeak as much. It's the sad thing is this chair is still completely comfortable, but like not only does it squeak like a motherfucker, but like all you know those like fake leather that that fake you know yeah the faux leather yeah, yeah. it starts to peel off after a while, like mm -hmm. and it's peeled off everywhere, and it's like got this weird. Might be time to retire that chair. But the thing is, is it's still completely functional and comfortable. It just looks like shit and it squeaks. So, like, a, a big part of me is like, well, it is still, it does still technically serve its purpose. And getting a nice computer chair is expensive. Because I, you know, unless you want to get it used. No, one. I don't want other people's fucking follicles all in my computer chair. <laughs> if you've ever looked at your own computer chair, if you've ever like dug inside it, there's some nasty shit, crumbs and hair and skin fragments and shit. Like, there's some things I will not buy used, and anything that like is something that another person's follicles can get eh, into. I don't really care. Damn, well, you're a better <laughs> man than I am in that area. And, so, and in most uh, areas, Mike, you're just you're just better overall. Wow, really? No, I don't. I don't buy. Mike, that. I'm fucking <laughs> delusional right now. Okay, I'm like beyond hungry. <laughs> I'm saying things I wouldn't normally say. <laughs> so I guess the truth the the truth serum for Josh is to just starve. Starve him. me, yes. Starve me, <laughs> uh, or get me liquored up enough. So, um, yeah. What what are your thoughts, like? On, do you think she's dead? Do you think she disappeared? Well, Literally. it really comes down to the bartender Gloria Brown, and um, you know, it, it's like, did you? Is is if if we could like plug a, a some kind of like video cable into her brain and get a screen of exactly mm -hmm. what she saw, and because obviously, if she saw her and then saw her again, and she had blonde hair, it's like you know. She maybe she had like a like a not not midlife crisis, but she had a crisis and was like, I got to get out of get the fuck out of Dodge. And she dyed her hair and this and the other. But, you know, as you're saying, like. If Gloria is this older, you know, bartender, she could, you know, 
there are people who look like other people out there. And, exactly. And, that too, you know, yeah. I mean, I saw a guy last night who looked like a more muscular version of this guy I used to know who OD'd on heroin a few years ago. Well, it's like when I uh, I was working at the movie theater in Oklahoma City, I, was, I got on the bus and about, you know, you know, it's, it's waiting. I'm waiting on the bus for it to, like, leave the station. And there was, like, this gal or guy in front of him, I think it was a gal it's like oh you know no, no, no. I was like I'm sorry I don't know you <laughs> yeah I saw I saw a guy uh, I went to the bookstore uh, the other day the used bookstore I saw a guy in there yeah. who looked like you <laughs> and I'm like Mike has been living in Jacksonville this whole time acting like he lives in Vancouver and he now he's stalking me what a creep it's uh, my doppelganger yeah, I I had a, an encounter on a dating website a long time ago where this 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 girl on there or woman uh-huh. or whatever was so fucking convinced that I was her gay best friend who who went oh, to wow. who went to high school with her <laughs> who wrote suicide poetry and uh, they went and apparently me and this girl went and saw some movie together and. We were really close in high school and she was getting to the point of annoyed that I was like acting like I didn't know her, but I didn't. And I'm like, dude, I'm not. I was like, what is this person's name? Like, let me look them up and see if they're at least attractive. So I don't mind the comparison, you know? And mm. she's like, you're this person. And I'm like, I'm I'm not, I'm not. I was like, here's my Facebook profile. Like go through my pictures. Like, See that I am not this person that you are convinced that I am. And, and you know, it was here in the same city. So. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was like, it wasn't like, oh my God, you look just like it. She's like, no, you are this person. Like, stop acting, like, stop fooling around. That's that's not what the person, you know, that's what not what the person did on the bus. So, you know, it was just like a funny little, you know, thing where it's like, nah, you know, it's like, oh, you look so much like. My brother, you know, that kind of I mean, of it's thing. crazy to think, though, like with like, <laughs> you know, the the human face. It's like you wouldn't think there's that many variations, but there are. If you think about now, it, it'd be really what would be really fucked up, Josh, if you go on a dating site and you're matched with some with some woman who looks like you. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have done those makeup tutorial videos where I've gone in full <laughs> drag and uh, I'm not yeah. a bad looking female. So, uh <laughs> Oh, well, it'd be really would weird. Would you still hit that? Oh, would I still hit that? Um, <laughs> Mike, you're putting me in a very awkward position right now. <laughs> um, what would be even weirder is if I went on a dating website and found a female on there who looked like you and we fell in love. Yeah. How would that make you feel, yeah, that, Mike? That would be That would be strange. And what if the girl's name was Michelle? <laughs> and she really liked movies. <laughs> My God. But you, you, I don't know. It'd be kind of hard to find a female that looked like you because, like, you literally always have a five o'clock shadow going on. So, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So, folks, if you haven't been able to tell by all this bullshitting right now, <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. At the end of the, the meat and potatoes, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'm normally not this low energy and shitty. Uh, this is just for this episode, I promise. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really fucking hungry. 
And uh, in full disclosure, so hungry in, that you know is not prepared. In full dis- yeah, <laughs> I, I, in full disclosure, I was not able to uh, even watch these segments before we started. Mike, Mike saw them, but but I wasn't able to actually watch them. So uh, I got a wedding tomorrow. I got like a, a thousand different things going on right now, and the podcast it, it literally needed to be done today because I could. There's no way I could do it tomorrow. There's no way I could do it Sunday because, like, I really got to get this music video done. So, like, my my life is just really on a time crunch right now. And, and today was literally the day, only day it could get done. And I'm trying to, like, be, you know, true to the Patreons and release shit, when, you know, early and not have things pushed way behind schedule because we have this advertiser now. And so there's that pressure. And I just can't take it, man. I can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. This is all the hunger talking yet again. Um... So, yeah. Josh, you're not you when you're hungry. No, no, I'm not. And the funny thing is, I literally, like, grabbed the biggest hand of trail mix, handful of trail mix, before we started the podcast, and I'm thinking to myself, like, this is this is going to hold me over through the podcast. It held me over for, like, 10 minutes. My body metabolized that shit instantly, and, and now it's like, all right, where's, the, where's more food? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... Yeah, so sorry. Sorry for uh for my uh Let me apologize. I don't think you were that bad. Yeah, I was just I know I wasn't the same high energy that I that I sometimes am. Sometimes I am, sometimes not. Sometimes I'm hungover. You know, I've done several podcasts hungover. Um I'm unpredictable, man. You never know what you're gonna get. But anyway, um, that's the end of this podcast. If you'd like to find us separately but entertainingly and equally on YouTube, you can find Mike at YouTube.com slash OCP Communications. He's a movie guy. He talks about movies. Mike, what was the last movie you talked about? A 1990 film called Blood Games, which had like a bunch of... uh, Well, it was a group of traveling uh, baseball players that were... the, The whole team was made up out of hot women you have my attention they get stranded well what happens is they beat this team of rednecks which apparently red uh, redneck baseball is a thing like uh, traveling baseball teams female baseball teams travel to the backwoods somewhere in the south and play a baseball game in the woods with a crowd of rednecks against a team of rednecks (laughs) First time I ever heard of that. Backwoods baseball. Not backyard baseball. Backwoods baseball. Backwoods baseball sounds like uh, something that a uh, teenage boy in some deposition against their like youth pastor would call uh, their sexual time together. Oh my god. <laughs> he made me play. He said, Hey Johnny, you're looking good today. Let's go in the forest and play some backwoods baseball. And then he's just like starts crying because he knows exactly what that means. Oh, my God. I know. I just went there. (laughs) So what happens is uh, the rednecks are pissed that the girls beat them. Two of them try to rape some other girls. Oh, shit. Shit happens. Uh, The... uh, one of the guys gets killed, the son of the leader of the the whatever fucking baseball team who's some corrupt asshole, and then he decides to wage war against the baseball team. 
Uh, and then it turns into like a stalk and slash movie in the woods. And it's really not that great. And, and and it has like a really bad tone, like a really inconsistent tone because it's like jokey, silly redneck movie with jokes like you drink like you piss. Well, you piss like you drink. What? And then I don't know what that's supposed to mean hardcore rape scenes. Jesus yeah. Christ. That that is an unbalanced tone if I've ever heard one. Exactly. 100%. So, yeah, uh, if you want to hear Mike's thoughts on that movie, head on over to his channel and subscribe and all that stuff. If you want to catch me on YouTube, you can find me at youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. My last video was, uh, well, I do all kinds of stuff. I do uh, videos about TV shows, music reviews, game reviews, stuff like that. Sometimes I'll do opinion pieces, and that was my last video. I did a video on the controversial Michael Jackson documentary Leaving Neverland which was on HBO um, I talked about part mm. one and um, the the kids who are now full-grown men who were um, who who met Jackson through various means and both of their stories about how Michael Jackson pretty much systematically uh, groomed them and allegations uh, allegedly groomed them and allegedly. molested the fuck out of both of them. Um, one of the kids went on tour with Jackson. The other kid was just this little Australian boy who was good at dancing. And uh, I just go through my thoughts on the documentary and kind of my views on um, the uh -huh. whole thing, which I mean, I so speaking of that whole thing um i just want to hear your thoughts on like the idea of like a lot of the radio stations pulling his music and then like the recent thing that was announced that the simpsons like they're they're gonna remove the episode that had his voice in it oh i love like, how the simpsons i love how the simpsons are acting like they're this like you know they're these their hearts bleed for for this kind of stuff you know like nobody gives a fuck about the Simpsons anymore. It's like that. They're, they're just doing that as like a fucking, uh, like ratings grab or publicity stunt. That's all that is for the Simpsons. Mm -hmm. No, but their ratings have like their, and that'll be back up. Like I guarantee that episode will be back up on digital or whatever, or eventually. It's just crazy like it's just, because just like, dude, uh, this is a, this is a documentary. This is not a news report. These, this, this yeah. has not been, I don't, I don't know if it's a documentary. Like for me, I don't consider it a documentary. Like it's it it's it's more of a what, like a, uh, a just, hit piece. It's a hit piece. It is a two hour long, you know, slice of slander. That's what it is to me. Um, it, it's one of those things. Like, folks, um, I'm just gonna say this: do not automatically validate allegations of abuse or any kind of crime. That's just not how uh, that's just not fair. It's also unlawful. Don't 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 substantiate these claims when there really isn't anything other than claims to back them up. It, it, it's it's like if you don't have like evidence that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that such and such did such thing or they were guilty of a crime then don't look at them as being guilty already. It applies to Michael Jackson. It applies to all, all different types of people, even if it's somebody in your family or somebody you know. It, the, the documentary, uh, if, if they're saying that this is evidence that 
Michael Jackson uh, molested these boys. What you have there in court is known as circumstantial uh, evidence, which is basically he could have done it. He had the opportunity to do it. These boys or these men are saying he did it, but that's all you have. You don't have... That's all you have, but, like, two of these, like, one of them specifically already said in court multiple times that he didn't do it. So, like, Rubson especially, like, he started this whole documentary thing after he was not allowed to be a part of the Cirque du Soleil show. He wanted to be the choreographer for the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil show. The state was like, no. And then he started doing this whole thing. And the other guy, Shave Truck, he's just like, well, I saw Robson on TV talk about being molested, and then I remembered I was molested too. <laughs> yeah. It's just not very plausible. It's not believable. And it, it's no coincidence that Leaving Neverland premiered at Sundance the exact day that the documentary about Weinstein and Weinstein's abuse yeah, I touch, I touch on all that kind of stuff in my video. I, I talk about how I felt like it was pretty convenient that mm. after Michael Jackson's uh, concert film, This Is It, came out, I mean, the Jackson camp was pretty quiet for like the last, I don't know, like seven or eight years. Like, we haven't really heard anything about Michael Jackson. His music's always popular, and it's always going to be popular, and it's always still played and stuff, but... Uh, you know, you there was no real, and now all of a sudden you're gonna come out with a random documentary out of nowhere about how Michael Jackson or these two boys or these two guys are talking about how Michael Jackson molested them. It just seems awfully convenient that it's kind of on the coattails of this Me Too movement, where like this kind of stuff is really hot in the ta- in the yeah. news and all that. But the estate had nothing to do with with this documentary. No, like that Michael Jackson estate has nothing to do. No, with did it, I say so. the estate? It's just a, it's, it's just, it's just a, uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those things where I, I'm just going to wait, you know, like if there's like evidence that shows up, that's more than these two guys who have already been proven multiple times to be full of shit and liars. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until I see some more evidence before well, I'm like, he did it. There's not, he's a molester. There's not really going to be any <laughs> evidence per se, unless someone has video of Michael doing this or pictures of Michael doing it. I mean, there's not, there's no, I mean, well, yeah, but that's, that's the thing. Like, you're not really going it, to, it, it's one of those things that's like, I don't really think it's fair to even, you know, to say like, oh, they're guilty, you know, until proven innocent in this instance. But that's just yeah. Me I mean, I don't know. Like, like for me, I understand why people are freaked out, or I think he was weird, or whatever. I get that, but that doesn't automatically mean that he molested kids. It's just, it, I mean, there's hundreds of kids that he spent time with, and why haven't more people come forward? Why are there more people that defended him than there were like these two, these two? Yeah, I mean, compared to the Bill Cosby case, where there's like nobody's of people de- that nobody's defending out. his ass. <laughs> I think Safe Chuck or Robson, uh, one of them, uh, their cousin was at Neverland Ranch at the same time as one of them was, and he's like, nothing happened. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you got to look at Jackson and the payday that you stand to to get, you know, because there was like that. There was like a few cases that he settled out of court, meaning he he did settle out of court. Me- he took the advice of his uh, publicists because he had a, a tour that was coming up 
and if he decided to decide you know put the you know go through with this these cases in in court you know that that would take a lot of time and it would take away from the tour and so on and so forth so and i guess he just bought into what his publicists were saying just make it go away you know in retrospect it was a mistake because you look at everything with these cases like he easily could have won each case and been completely exonerated of any of these charges but he just decided to you know move on and you know that that's that was his decision and a lot of people are going to point to that as like oh he's guilty but i think that's a problem too like just because somebody hands a settlement out doesn't automatically mean that they were guilty of it sometimes you just want to Put no, it, it doesn't them. mean they're guilty, but it does mean that they're willing to pay out money in those situations. So it's like any time yeah. I think a big mistake Michael Jackson made was it's like, yeah, you you like kids and all. That's fine. But, dude, you know what kind of shit, you know, you've gotten into in the past with this. So it's like maybe you should not have kids around anymore because you see the 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 predatory nature of some of these parents who want to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like Michael, I don't think he was like, I think he was shrewd in some ways in terms of being a businessman, but I don't think he was that intelligent when it comes to social interaction. So I don't really think that he really had that kind of experience to be like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And also think about it like he's the king of pop, like he probably was a little bit delusional too. You'd think someone in his camp would be like Mike, dude. But then again, Michael Jackson being who he is, if you if you if you talk to Mike a certain way, he'd be like, You're fired. He he'd shut him off. He shut people out completely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not gonna sit here and say, Oh yeah, Michael Jackson is completely innocent and he did nothing wrong. I, I'm saying I don't fucking know because I wasn't there. I wasn't. Well, yeah, I wasn't there, yeah. and and you know, you got. I'm gonna lean on the innocent side because there just isn't really enough. Like, I mean, after concrete, somebody commented, like, even like somebody evidence. To somebody me. commented like a book worth of uh, information on one mm-hmm. of my comments on my video, and after reading through it, I was, I, I started to kind of lean more towards the innocent side, but I'm still not gonna be you know confident enough to sit there and say yeah he's absolutely did nothing wrong you know. I don't know. I just, I don't fucking know. But I mean, as far as radio stations pulling his music and shit, it's like, dude, that is so reactionary. Like, like calm your tits, people like step back and examine the facts. This is just a, this was just a documentary. This wasn't a news report. This wasn't, you know, the court has found Jack. Dude, if the court found Jackson guilty, then yeah, yeah. Pull his fucking music. Cause at that point you're literally, you know, get, get, well, it's like Cosby. Yeah. You're giving royalties to special. to someone who molested children, but that hasn't happened yet. So it's like, you know, you're literally just being a bunch of like scaredy cats who's afraid of backlash from all this new generation of social media SJWs who are going to jump on Twitter and, and, and you know, at K-Rock or at, uh, you know, WQRT Cincinnati. I can't believe you're playing you know, a pedophile's music on here. You know, they're, they're, all these companies are yeah. fucking afraid of this shit. They're kowtowing like crazy. You knew crazy. that was going to happen. No, I didn't, actually. I didn't know. I didn't... I, it doesn't... I, I, I saw it coming a mile away, considering how things are going It doesn't surprise me. Right it doesn't surprise me that it happened, yeah. but I, I, you know, I didn't see it. I didn't see that coming, but I mean, 
I mean, considering how things are, where they, people are just trying to retroactive, retroactively erase certain things, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney's like, Captain EO, that never existed. What? Captain what? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's my video on there. So go and check that out if you want to see you know more of my thoughts on that. And until um, next week, I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. And uh, don't cry, don't lie, and especially don't die. See ya. Is that your new thing? Ladies and gentlemen, my band Dancing With Ghosts' new album is finally complete. The name of the album is Hex. I've taken all my best songs and put them onto one album. Some tracks have been remastered. Some have been remixed. Some songs are completely new, like the one you're hearing in the background. Plus, Stephanie, the second lead singer of this band, has been added to all the songs that were previously off my first album, Koi and Eskazi. There's new artwork, pictures, lore. That's right, I said lore. And lyrics to every song in this eight-page booklet. This album is exclusively available in CD format right now on Bandcamp.com. No Spotify yet. The link is available in the bio of this podcast. Also, Stephanie and I will happily sign any album that is purchased. Thank you again for your amazing support. Do you think roaches would be less terrifying if they tasted delicious? Hmm. Like if no. you if you saw one and you knew no. you knew it tasted amazing. No. Because there's a lot of things that, you know, you know taste amazing, but like it would still be freaked out by it. Like what? Hmm. Well, I mean, for instance, like when you like, if you see when the when the animals are slaughtered, like that would be pretty freaky. But like, you still like eat eat steak and chicken and stuff like that. Yeah, <clears throat> kind of a different example, but I feel you. But I I see what you mean. I mean, but no, I'd still be freaked out by <laughs> cockroaches. It's just how they move and what they, you know, what they, what they represent, how they just breed so quickly and it, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> well, I spelt my cute, I spelt Stephanie's last name wrong in our inter, in our article or whatever, and they kill the music. Yeah, because I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, I, it's supposed to be C O N N E R, oh, and no. I put O. Oh. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, she gets so pissed when I do that because I do it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> I don't know why she kick get, your ass. I don't know why she gets so offended by it. Like, who cares? It's just well, it's her name. I think that's why. Yeah. Oh, whatever. All right. You're gonna get a lashing. <laughs> She's gonna smack my balls <laughs> with a cat o' nine tails. All right. Let's jump back into this.